morning, everyone. How you doing this morning? You may be seated. Are you doing well? Great. I uh, got a bit of a spillage here. <laughs> I went to drink my tea just a second ago. Well, let's just say I didn't put the lid on too well. So uh, I'm not 12, <laughs> but uh, I do apologise in advance. Are you doing well? Everyone's happy, healthy? Uh, you're looking absolutely fantastic. Well, it's a real pleasure to be with you again this morning. I think the last time I was here was uh, pre-COVID days, I think. Uh, and so it's been a while. Lost a little bit of hair since then. I think the last time I came, it was down to here. But uh, that's what stress will do to you. No, only kidding. So... Uh, for those of you who don't know who I, I am, uh, of course, uh, as Pastor Jason said, I'm Brad. My wife, Alison, and I, uh, we are the senior pastors of Horizon Church down in the Sutherland Shire in Sydney. Uh, the church was founded by Pastor Norm Armstrong uh, more than 70 years ago. And so uh, we are just very thankful to God to continue to build on His legacy. Uh, and we have great men and women of God right across our movement uh, who have really uh, blessed us and set up the next generation so we can do well serving Jesus. And uh, my wife sends a love and uh, she's uh, looking after our own church today. And, um, and so she's, uh, she's doing fantastic. The kids are good. They're only getting that little bit older now. Uh, my daughter's just started uni this year, which is kind of cool, first year uni. And my son is 16. He's reached my height, six foot three. And uh, he may just overtake me, you never know. But he plays basketball in New South Wales, so he's pretty happy about his height. My brother's six foot seven, so you never know. He may have my brother's height. Time will tell. All right. Well, I, I love to your pastors, of course, Pastors Mark and Nina. I was just with them just uh, in the, the Pan Asia Conference just a couple of weeks ago, so it was nice to see them in Thailand. Uh, that was my first international trip in three years. So it was good to jump on a plane and go somewhere, which was cool. And uh, so I had uh, a catch up with them while I was over there. And uh, it was really nice to see your pastors. You do have amazing pastors. And so whilst they're on holidays, pray for refreshment and relaxation. Pastors need good refreshing these days in Jesus' name. So we speak that over Mark and Nina in the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen. Well, we're going to get into God's Word this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, if you could please turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. We're going to read from verse 17. Those of you who don't have your Bibles with you this morning, the verses are available for you on the screen behind me. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. Once we've read that, we're going to skip to then to Genesis chapter 22. Can we pray this morning? Come on, church. Can we pray this morning? Father, we just thank you for this great opportunity to be in your presence today. Holy Spirit, come have your way. Cause your word to be real, alive to us this morning, we pray. May you fill our hearts with your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Hebrews 11 verse 17 says, by faith, everyone say by faith. Come on, who's a faith person this morning? Come on, who's a faith person this morning? We gotta have faith. Faith people believe that the Word of God is true. Come on, faith people believe that circumstance 
does not dictate the Word of God. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my Word will stand forever. Thank God for people of faith. By faith, the Word of God says, Abraham, when God tested him. Anyone been tested before? Amen. I've had my fair share. (laughs) The Bible says he offered Isaac as a sacrifice who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Verse 18, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Now we're gonna go to Genesis chapter 22, verse one. Genesis 22, verse one says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, go to the land of Moriah, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Most of us are familiar with this passage, a passage where Uh, we would probably say is completely unreasonable. Now, if anyone's having trouble with their children in the past few weeks, please don't follow this example. (laughs) Child sacrifice is something we do not promote, encourage, and there's a special place for people like that. It's called jail. (laughs) But of course, this passage that we've read this morning uh, is incomprehensible that God would ask Abraham to go and sacrifice his son. It's unreasonable. It's something that any modern person, if they believe that to be true about their relationship with God, that person probably forgot to take their two Panadol that morning. But this is a real story, a real story of a man and a woman who had waited for a child year after year, and now they have a son, and God says, take him, sacrifice him. How many of you know Abraham's in a crisis? He's in a crisis of obedience, because in the previous chapter, God had said to him that it would be in Isaac that his seed would be blessed. But now God says to him, Take your son, even though I've given you this word, and sacrifice him. Not only is he in an obedience crisis, he's in a family crisis because there's no uh, record of Abraham actually having a conversation with his wife Sarah to tell her of what God had told him to do. Because how many of you know mums that if Abraham went to Sarah and said, God told me to do this and kill our only son, she would have said, not before I kill you. (laughs) He's also in a social crisis because everybody knew that this was a child of promise. What are people gonna think? I've lost my mind. He's also in an emotional crisis Because if you read the verse again, Genesis chapter 22, verse two, it says, take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, watch this, whom you, come on, love. 
so much. And when God says you love something, you love something. And watch what the verse says. It says, take your son, your only son. And in fact, this is the first time that the word love actually appears in the Bible between a father and a son. So you can imagine the kind of stress, the kind of pain, the kind of anguish that Abraham is in because this son that he loves, God says it's now time to give him up. We also get to see the depth of the relationship that Abraham actually has with his son Isaac. And you'll find that in Genesis chapter 22, on three occasions, it uses the phrase, they walk together. You see it in verses six, verse eight, and also in verse 19. This was a close bond. This was a father who deeply valued, loved his son. And in fact, the word son is used in multiple occasions just in this one chapter, verses 3, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 12, 12, 13, 16, 16. It shows us the depth of the relationship. This is a father who absolutely loves his son. Well, we know that Abraham responds in obedience. And in Genesis chapter 22, verse 3, the scripture goes on to say, so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and he took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son, and he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him on the third day of their journey. Now watch this. It took three days to get to where they needed to get to. A three-day journey. Now this man, he's had a lot of time to think about his decision. <laughs> his brother got no iPhone to distract him in the middle of the night. A three-day journey. Nothing to distract his thoughts except absolute obedience to what God had asked him to do. Genesis chapter 22, verse five, it says, and Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The lad and I, we will go over and worship. Now, this is what we're gonna preach on today. Now, watch the last part of the verse. It says, and we, watch this, come on now, we will come back to you. Notice that Abraham did not say, I will come back to you. Come on, stay with me now. We're gonna land soon. It says, we will come back to you. So he knew that God had asked him to do something. However, he had a conviction. There was something resolute in his heart that him and his boy, Isaac, they would come back to meet the servants who were waiting at the bottom of the mountain. I don't know if God has ever asked you to do something that requires you to sacrifice. Maybe in the giving of, of an offering. 
may be in the way that you love and serve people. It may be in the way that you open up your home. It may be in the way that you show generosity towards others in the kindness of your words or the giving up of a dream or desire to do something that God has asked you to do. But it's amazing that Abraham had this word from God and even though God had asked him to do something that was unreasonable, he knew that God would still fulfill the promise. It's amazing in the call of God and in the things that God moves us towards, there seems to be this pattern that God takes us through. There's this revealing of the purposes of God and all of a sudden God seems to reverse his plan. And I wish that the will of God was kind of like A leads to B, which leads to C, which eventually lands on the letter D. But I've discovered that the purposes of God is like spaghetti. It just goes everywhere. There's no rhyme, there's no reason, and God seems to reveal something. He seems to reverse it. But at some point in the future, He chooses to restore in his timing. We see it in the life of Joseph. Joseph had a dream. He went through a reversal. And in the right time, there was a restoration in the purposes of God. We see it in the life of Moses. Moses' life was in three 40-year blocks. In the first 40 years, he was raised up in Egypt as a prince. In the next 40 years, he's out in the wilderness. The next 40 years, he's the leader of the children of Israel. God reveals, God reverses, and God eventually restores. So Abraham is saying, as bad as the contradiction may be, and some of you right now, you are in that place of contradiction. You've been sent by Jesus out on a boat to go to the other side. And in obedience to the will of God, a huge storm has come and you don't know if you're gonna survive. But the disciples acted on a word that Jesus gave to them. It's incredible when you act on a word from God. I wish it was like the cruise boat, you know? You're just having a good time. You go from one location to the next. But it seems as though that when we are obedient, to the will of God and the purposes of God, storms do come. And when they come, they're ferocious. And for some of you this morning, it's a storm in your health, maybe a storm in your marriage, it may be a storm in a relationship with one of your kids, maybe a child that just doesn't wanna sleep and you haven't broken sleep for the last 300 years. <laughs> And we all seem to go through these things. But like Abraham, he had a belief. I know this is a season of contradiction. I know it seems like it's in direct opposition to what God had told me. But I believe and have an unswerving and resolute conviction that we will come back to you. So what's Abraham saying? Abraham came to the realization that God cannot, come on church, God cannot compromise His Word. If He's given you a Word, He will not compromise His Word. And if you have a promise from God, 
you hold on to that promise that God has given to you, even though at the time it seems like a season of contradiction, God is true, God is faithful, and God is just, and He will fulfill His promise. Psalm 119 verse 89 says, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word, come on, is settled in heaven. Matthew 4 verse 4, Jesus answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every rhema. Come on, every word, every rhema that comes out of the mouth of God. The New Testament gives us an additional insight into Abraham's conviction, what he was feeling, what he was thinking at the time. Have a look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac his son, or Isaac as a sacrifice, who had embraced the promises, was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Verse 18, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned, watch this, verse 19, concluding, come on everyone say the word concluding, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So the New Testament gives us an insight into what was going on in Abraham's heart and mind that even though this was a contradiction, God had so much power that he could raise him up from the dead. But we got a problem. And the problem is what actually makes that verse, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19, hard to understand is that from Genesis chapter one all the way through to Genesis chapter 22, this story, there are no resurrections in the Bible. In other words, where did Abraham have this reference point? Where did he get this understanding that God was able to raise up Isaac from the dead because he had never seen or heard of resurrections? Because your whole life is built on reference points. You don't just scan 3,000 coffee shops per week and think, oh, that's, I'm gonna try that one. Tomorrow I'll try that one. You have a reference point. That one's a no-go zone. That one, you beauty. <laughs> Why? You have a reference point. You know holiday location. That holiday location, never go there. You get sick. It's bad news. That one, awesome. It just works for my family. Why? It's acted as a reference point. I mean, some of you maybe like certain clothing brands. That one doesn't work for me. That one's awesome. Those shoes, amazing. Those shoes, bad. All of our lives are built on reference points. You drive somewhere, you have a reference point. You know when to turn, you know when to keep going straight, you know when to take the third exit on the roundabout. Your whole life has been built on reference points. Abraham has absolutely no reference point, but somewhere in his heart, we read the scripture said, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. So our question is, where did he get this idea 
that God would raise up Isaac from the dead. Well, I'm glad you asked. Well done. Hebrews 11 verse 11 actually gives us a clue. And it tells us where Abraham got this idea of resurrection. And in Hebrews 11 verse 11, it says, it was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child. Watch this. Though she was barren and was too old. So in other words, we could say that her womb, because of her age, had an inability to conceive. She believed, however, come on now, that God would keep His promise. Oh, that's a word for someone this morning. Come on, that's a word for a lady this morning. She believed that God would keep His promise. Can I just say that just one more time? She believed that God would keep His promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man, he himself, Abraham, (laughs) who was good as dead. (laughs) In other words, the piping was struggling. But it says, it says she was barren, was too old. Abraham was as good as dead. So even though their age prohibited them from having children, Abraham has a reference point. Guess what it is? Something may be dead, but God can make it alive. He concluded that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. Some of you are going through a trial. You're going through a difficult time in your health. You uh, may be a, a relational challenge of some sort. Along the journey, God will give to you reference points. Paul said to Timothy, remind yourself of the prophecies spoken over you that by them you may wage a good warfare. There are things that God has done in you and through you over the last period of time that are there to actually act as places of hope, that act as reference points that although I may not have my promise right now, I believe that if God was able to do something then, He's able to do something now. Can you say amen? We will come back to you. Now, Abraham goes up the mountain. Here's the awesomeness of our God. And whilst he's going up the mountain, you know the story. God's got a ram coming up on the other side. Every step he takes, this ram's also taking a step. Every time he moves closer to the very thing that God had asked him to do, God was providing something for him because God will never let you go up the mountain of sacrifice and come down with less than you came up with. God oversupplies. He's an abundant God. He's a good God. He's a kind God. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God and He loves you so much. 
And even though you may be in the storm and it's a contradiction to the thing that God said that he would do in your life and through your life, know that as you act out in obedience to God, God will give you more than you could have ever hoped, dreamed, thought of, or imagined, stay obedient to God even though it is a contradiction. Some of you, your sacrifice, come on, I've been a pastor long enough now, the very fact that you stepped into this building to worship, people around you don't know how hard that was because you're upset, you're wondering, God, do you still love me? But you sacrificed today and you said, regardless of how I feel, I'm coming to the presence of my God to worship Him. Some of you, you're lonely this morning. You're lonely because of life circumstance. You made a choice. You said, here I am, Jesus. I've come to worship you. May God bless you today. Because as you continue to stay in the place of obedience, God will bless you. Years ago, if I could have the keyboard player, that would be greatly appreciated. Uh, I was serving at Influencers Church, uh, Paradise Community Church, some of you would know it as. And uh, I think at the time I was the young adults pastor. And so as the young adults pastor, uh, it was great joy, love serving, um, love giving our, our best to the Lord. And one morning when I was praying, I felt a, a nudge on my back from the Holy Spirit saying, Brad, you need to plan a church. And I'm like, nah, I ain't planning a church. I like where I am. A couple of weeks later, praying, you need to plan a church, plan a church. So the Holy Spirit prods, which were kind of like once a month, then started to become once a week, then started to become daily. <laughs> plan a church, plan a church. I sat down with my senior pastor, Pastor Ashley, shared what was going on in my heart and went on a journey to plan a church. Now, planning a church is not easy. <laughs> I say to people about church planners, there's two things. Either they've heard from God or there's something wrong with them. Usually, it's a bit of both. <laughs> and so we stepped out in faith and we planted a church. We planted, we built, we, we did all that God had asked us to do. And when you plant, I remember there was one Sunday, there were more people on the stage than what there were sitting down there. So the question is, do you use the microphone or not? <laughs> and, um, you know, we had this young keyboard player. Oh man, it, it was rough, you know. And we're at, like, I gave him a, a ministry time, right? And so, you know, just like our lovely gentleman here is playing, I'm praying for people. And I'm like, I know that song that the guy's playing, but I don't know it. I know it, but I don't know it. And I'm like, hold on, that's not a worship song. He was playing, you know that song? Would you know my name? If I, and I'm praying for people. And I'm like, come on, where's the anointing? <laughs> And we planted, 
And when you plant a church, there's a special bond. There's a glue that you have when you plant something. The church grew and we started to see addition and then multiplication. And then one day, Pastor Ashley, he's in Perth. That's where we planted. And he said, Brad, I now need you to come back to Adelaide. And I was like, hold on. But, you know, you, we've kind of given our, our left arm to this church plant. Because when you church plant, you're the setter-upper, the packer-downer, the song leader, the receptionist. You're everything, you know, the preacher. And we had grown and we had seen the goodness of God. And my wife and I, we went on a journey and we knew in our heart God was saying that we needed to make some changes. But I'm like, hold on, Lord. I love this son. I love this baby. <laughs> God was saying, it's time. Well, we go back to Adelaide and uh, uh, took on the role there as lead pastors of Influences Church and Pastor Ashley was making some changes in his journey. And I was still deep down in my heart, a little bit upset <laughs> because I like my church plant. And one day I was having breakfast with Pastor Andrew. And so I check in with Pastor Andrew every now and again. And Pastor Andrew began to talk to me and kind of got into this, this prophetic kind of mode. Pastor Andrew Evans said to me, he said, Brad, because I want you to know that it takes a lot to give up a church plant to come back and do what you've done to serve another man's vision. But he goes, I want you to know God sees it and God will give you more than you've ever sacrificed. And I'm like, I just... I just heard from God, <laughs> all is well. <laughs> My hair grew back in an instant. <laughs> and it was a handful of years later that a church by the name of Shire Life, now Horizon Church, which we had not pursued, we had not tried to bang down any doors or force anything, but God knew, God knew. And out of that church, we've been able to plant other churches to the glory of God. You may sacrifice and you may feel like you're in a contradiction right now. You may feel like, God, why have you not healed me yet? You gave me a promise. You may be asking, God, why has that relationship not been restored yet? You've been praying for restoration in that relationship and it seems like it's in reversal. But you said, God, you gave me a promise. God, you told me that I'd go to missions and I'd do certain things and you'd outwork uh, your purposes through my life. But it seems as though it's a contradiction. Well, I'm here to tell you today, just like Abraham, you need to rise up in faith today and you need to say, I'm going up the mountain of sacrifice, but we will come back to you. God is faithful to His promises. Can you say amen? Come on.